and welcome to your favourite teacher. Very exciting podcast today and I'm actually here um, away from home at the Nottingham Forest football ground and I'm with, now do people call you sir or just Chris? How would your students refer to you? It depends how old they are really. Some of the the older boys, it's first name terms, but the younger boys, it can be Sir, it can be Chris. It's it's a different environment to being in school, really. So, um, a little bit more informal, maybe. Okay, so we'll we'll go with Chris. So that, I'm here with Chris, <laughs> um, and just sort of tell me what your role is here at Nottingham Forest. Well, my role is head of education and welfare. So, okay. I coordinate the education programs at the football club for the academy boys. So from under nine all the way up to under twenty three. Uh, I'm involved in their education, so it's a lot of school liaison, uh, working with local partner schools to make sure boys are making progress at school, and also education while they're at the football club as well. Yeah. And then the other side of my role is is welfare, so it's the safeguarding, it's the player care, making sure that it's a safe environment for the young players to be in. Because I, I suppose, um, so a player that's um, you know an aspiring footballer, they then, what's the sort of process of them becoming part of this academy? How does that, how does that come about? It, it can happen in a lot of different ways. We've got a, a very strong recruitment team, a gentleman called Dan Dodds, who runs our recruitment team. So right. he's very active in terms of bringing players in. Uh, but we can also be recommended players from other football clubs that might be being released. Uh, and then they'll come in on trial and we'll look at them. Uh, and when we do that, we, we do a, a full check on them so it's not just how good they are as a footballer we look at um, contacting their, their school for example and we'll, we'll talk about their education uh, any concerns that there might be in school so we try and get a rounded picture of the individual uh, during that trial period uh, and all that information is then collated and we sit around and we make a, a collective decision as an academy management team on whether the player would be signed by the football club okay and ha- how many have you got um, in the academy at the moment roughly oh. Roughly, last time I did uh, a data run and looked at progress of students, we got 184. So you're like headmaster of the 184 aspiring footballers. From an education point of view, yes, but I think uh, the person who's our ultimate headmaster is is Gary Brazil, our academy manager. He oversees all the development of all the players, um, so he's the most important man at the football club. And how long do these boys um, get with you on like a weekly basis? Uh, on a weekly basis, they'll they'll train three nights a week. Okay. Um, the sessions, obviously, predominantly in the evening, but we have some boys that come out in the day for uh, what we call day release, our hybrid training model. So they come out of school in the afternoon, uh, they'll train in the afternoon, then they'll do some education, and then they'll train again in the evening. But uh, we tend to see them for three days okay. uh, a week. And if you um, if you're sort of one of these boys who is an aspiring footballer what obligation do you guys have to to their education because obviously you know if they're going to be training a lot um how you know how important for you for you and for the club that 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 doesn't that they don't sort of lose those other academic skills education's paramount and that that comes right from the top from from gary brazil um we we believe firmly that their education is the most important thing uh, and we would only bring a player out to take part in extra training sessions if if they were performing at school. So that's why we we keep regular contact with schools. Yeah. Um, so we get three reports a year when when schools report to constantly check on progress. And if we see anything that we that we're concerned with, we'll go in for meetings with the school. Um, and we would recommend that along with the school, it's a partnership really that they maybe don't attend certain training in the day, and they would just revert to training in the evening. So. 
education is really, really important and it, and it dictates the programme that we offer each individual boy. I guess that's really, really good actually in sort of incentivising those young boys that they need to work hard in school if they want to pursue their dreams. Absolutely, and I think if you look at the percentage of players that actually go all the way through the academy system to make it as a professional, you're talking about 1% that that actually get through. So the need for education is going to be vital for 99%, if not 100%. I know, it's hard convincing like a 14-year-old of that, I imagine. Absolutely. (laughs) I think one good thing about our academy is that the boys are very, very grounded. Uh, you you obviously get one or two that that think they've already made it as soon as they they pull on that forest shirt. But arrogant little so and sos. Not so not so arrogant, but confident. Okay. But um, but yeah. So we we constantly talk to them about the need for education. Um, and our academy manager Gary, but also the assistant manager Chris McGuan, both incredibly supportive of education. And and we wouldn't bring a player out like I said like I said before. To do football if their education isn't right it's it's vitally important that the education side of things is is good students are on track making progress at school hitting targets do you think that you're sort of an exception there or do you think that lots of clubs are taking that sort of action that sort of attitude i would imagine most clubs are taking the same approach i mean i wouldn't be able to comment for other clubs but but the way uh, football is progressing now, education is becoming more and more important. And I think you'll, you'll see that over, over the coming years, that education is becoming more and more part of all the programmes. It's, uh, it's a vital part of football. Um, the way we look at our scholarship programme with our uh, under-18 boys, it's very much a dual programme. It's not a football programme, it's yeah. a football and education programme. And that's very much what England believe when they take players on international camps. It's a, a football and education experience for them. It's not just going away to play football. Yeah. Um, so what's your background? Um, how, did you, how did you get into this? Background, I, I trained as a PE teacher back in 2003. Um, I've worked in... It's very old. I am very old, <laughs> yes. Um, I'm getting older. Um, but yeah, I've worked in, in four different schools. I've held numerous leadership roles in schools, such as... Um, deputy curriculum leader for PE, whole school gift and talented coordinator. I've been a head of year and a head of PE, um, and I did that for 14 years. And then, as a lifelong fan of the football club, when the job came up, I I just had to apply. It's, yeah. it's my dream job. Um, it's a pretty cool job. It's a great job. I love it. It's brilliant. I get to to spend all my days at the football club I've supported all my life. Um, I get to work with fantastic young people who are so driven and focused. Um, it's a real privilege, and I think that every day I come in, it's almost not not having a job. It's 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 a, just a hobby. <laughs> it's almost a hobby. Yeah, I, I absolutely love it. I'm, I think every day how lucky I am. So. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, absolutely. Right. What are the bad bits? The bad bits. Uh, it's difficult to say, really. I think from a teaching point of view, obviously you have to in school. The priority is obviously the education. It's making sure students achieve and pass exams and so on. Here you you have to be, um, what's the word? You have you have to share the boys because obviously they yeah. they're here to play football, but obviously they're here to be educated as well. So you have to sh- you have to share them. Um, so sometimes you'd like to have them a little bit more yeah. in terms of spending a little bit longer upgrading work and getting it to the absolute best standard. But you have to obviously, like I say, share them because you know ultimately we want them all to be footballers and we want them to go through and play for the first team. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd like to see them more. I've said that would probably be the, the one little drawback. 
I guess it's kind of like, I mean, I used to have wars with my like maths teacher because he'd be pulling them for intervention and I wanted to pull them for English intervention. So it's similar in that regard, I, I expect. Um, what sort of, so the, the academy year's finished for you. What happened, what's, what would you sort of suggest the boys be doing over summer? What's their training programme? What fitness, I don't know, what, what gym routine should they be doing? Things well, like that? at the end of the season, we have an end of season debrief meeting with, with the squads and we sit down and we talk to them about what they need to be doing over the close season. So the strength and conditioning coach, Brent Dickinson, he'll, he'll draw up programmes, individual programmes for every individual player okay. uh, and they're set a, a gym program to do whilst away from the football club because yes they'll go away on holiday and they'll have some downtime but they'll come back at the end of June and they need to be in good physical shape to start pre-season so that's really important one or two of the boys who've not finished certain little bits of education are set additional work that they need to just complete over the summer uh, but it's really important for us that the boys get a rest it's such an intense program yeah. they they'll come back at the end of June and that program will run all the way until the start of May. What's what is that program then starting in June? So pre-season starts at the end of June. So normally when the boys come back, the first week will be pre-season testing. So they'll do all their fitness tests to make sure that they've done their gym programs over the over the summer. They'll be tested in all all their fitness areas, um, and that will probably be the first part of of the pre-season, the first week or two, uh, and. As the pre-season progresses, they'll get out, out onto the grass more, they'll start to train more, uh, building up match fitness for when the season starts in in August. But they'll also go away on a, on a pre-season camp or tour, which is normally in July, and the under-18s are going to Holland this oh, year. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah, so they're going to go out there. They're gonna... Do you get to go with them? Um, there is an option for me to go, yes. So, uh, are you going to? I'm not a big fan of flying, so... Um, oh, really? Yeah, but... Um, you never know. I might. You wouldn't. I might. Go. Well. <laughs> um, now, what can parents do to support boys that are? If a parent say has been approached and you know someone said you know your son's talented in football, what kind of things might they need to do to prepare themselves? What do they need to do to support? What's involved? I think the the biggest thing is um, we, we've got lots of really supportive parents. We've got some fantastic parents who who come three, four nights a week to support their their son at, at training and on match days. And so, they're not just from the local area, are they? You've got boys no, from no, everywhere. No, we, we have boys from, we, we have a lot from Nottinghamshire, obviously, but yeah. we have boys from Derbyshire, Leicestershire, Lincolnshire. So we, we have a wide a wide circle, but there are, there are rules in place that players and parents can only travel so far okay. into training. There are, are rules that we have to follow. Um, but yes, we, we, we pull them from quite a... A wide area, so there's a huge commitment requirement for parents, um, and that's that's one of the first things that they'll they'll be quite surprised about. Like as it, when I was teaching, I didn't really. We had some boys who were in the local football academy, but I didn't really know much of anything as to what they would be doing. What can teachers do to support? I think the biggest thing for me in, in my role is I, I do a lot of work with the schools. I, I contact schools on a regular basis for progress checks, for mm -hmm. reports. And I think the biggest thing from a from a teaching point of view, on the because I've been on the other side of the process as well, when I yeah. used to teach at school, I used to send some of my students to Forest. Um, and I think it's, it's keeping regular contact. That's really, really important. So as a football club, we, we need to know what progress they're making, areas that they may be struggling in, but also 
if there are things outside of, of school that are going to affect them yeah. you know, in terms of you know problems at home, problems with, with friends. Um, so that regular link is, is vital. The communication, in, yeah. yeah. It's, it's vital for my role. Okay. Um, okay, well, I think that's about all from me. So thank you so much for your time. Um, it's been so great coming up to Nottingham and I really look forward to working with you and the boys. It's going to be good.